Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Step seven of the classroom setup process is communication. Now, this might have initially surprised you that this is a whole step of the classroom setup process. Like, why do we need to be thinking about communication when we're setting up our room? It's because communication is that important. Communication is one of the main diagnostic criteria of autism. So that means that every child that has the diagnosis of autism struggles in some way with communicating, which means that in every area of your class and in every part of your day, you should be working on building up those skills of communication. Communication and social skills are not just the job of the speech language pathologist. If your child gets 30, 45, 60 minutes of speech a week, cool. That's some great intensive practice that they're going to get. That's a great opportunity for you as the teacher to learn from the SLP on different strategies to build communication skills. But that is not the only time they are working on these skills. In all other parts of the day, there will likely be a communicative aspect of what the child is doing. So you want to think about this now while you're setting up your room, while you're moving furniture around, while you're creating visuals, while you're training your staff, because it is that important. 
Since communication may be a struggle for some of your learners, you want to embed opportunities to communicate in all parts of your classroom. So the easiest way to do this is to start thinking about those opportunities while you're setting up your class. In every center, in every academic area, how are kids communicating their wants and needs to staff and to each other? One of the main things you want to think about is that every single child has a way to communicate in every single inch of that classroom. So for your learners that are nonverbal or have limited verbal skills, that means that their communication system, either a textbook, an AAC device, or some type of core board or visual system, needs to be available at every single second of every single day in every single inch of your classroom and really the school. That is their voice. That textbook, that AAC device, that is how they are going to express what they want, what they need, if they feel scared, if they feel unsafe. That is their voice. Chrissy Kelly from Life with Grayson and Parker has this amazing visual she's shared on her page with a picture of one of her boys with a piece of tape over his mouth saying, you cannot take away my voice. Taking away an AAC device is the same as taping a child's mouth. And we'd all be horrified at the thought of taping a child's mouth shut, right? So you should be equally horrified at someone taking away an AAC device or taking away a textbook because it is the same thing. So you really want to think about the logistics of how we're storing communication systems, how we're making sure students bring them around the room and around the school. And with AAC devices, the logistics can get tricky real quick. Later in this episode, I'm talking with Sarah, a speech-language pathologist on the Autism Helper team, about all of the logistics involved in making sure communication systems are available to us. So we're going to get more into that in a little bit. So let's jump into my conversation with Sarah. Not only do we talk about some of those trickier logistics behind the organization of textbooks and storage of AAC devices, but she also gives some great suggestions on different centers that you can add in your classroom that really lend itself to a lot of communicative opportunities. I love these suggestions and these should definitely be on your list of classroom centers. So let's jump in. Sarah, thank you so much. I knew for, for step number seven, communication, we had to have your input because as a speech-language pathologist, you're going to be the expert on this area. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So when coming at the classroom setup process, so thinking about you know moving up your, around your furniture, setting up your data systems, everything that's involved, I think people forget about everything that's involved in communication, whether it be AAC devices or how to teach our staff to kind of evoke more communication. So why is it important to think about this now and not have it be, you know, an afterthought? Yeah, well, communication is obviously so important because it is how we interact and obviously communicate with our kids. And we really need to think about this from the beginning because we need to know how is our how are our students um, how can we teach them? So we need to know kind of their level coming in. What's their receptive language skills and what's their expressive language skills? 
because this will um, probably reduce frustration and behaviors in the classroom from the very beginning. You know, it'll help them express their wants and needs. And then most importantly, it'll help us be able to teach our kids because if we're coming at it from a different level, we won't be able to like reach those academic skills um, and meet their IEP goals. Yeah, exactly. That's such a great point. I mean, it touches on on everything, on academics, on behavior. If you miss out on communication, you're going to kind of miss out on everything else. Yeah. So like, I mean, just for an example, I was thinking like, you know, if our kid, we need to think of like, how are our kids going to like tell us they need a drink of water or go to the bathroom or they need a break? If we don't have some of these systems in place, what are they going to do? They're going to be really upset. So I mean, just from that standpoint, some we need to have some functional skills that they can be able to do. So that's what we need to think about it from the beginning. If not, we're going to be like backtracking and we're going to waste a lot of time at the beginning of the year thinking like, oh man, now I've already wasted a month and I need to like go back and put all these systems in place and figure out where my student is and where their um, communication levels are. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point too that, you know, and it's easier to do it while you're in the process of setting up your room because you're kind of already thinking about all these things. So it's like taking it that one step farther. And like you said, adding the visual for, you know, going to get water, going to the bathroom and things like that um, can really, you know, prevent a lot of behaviors coming up. The bathroom and the water is a good one because I remember one of my first few years teaching, I had a bathroom and a water visual and all those great visuals in the kids' textbook. But where their textbook was, was in a different direction than the door. And I had a student that would always run towards the door. And I was truly trying to get him to run to his textbook and ask for the water, ask for the bathroom. But of course it made sense. He was going to the door because the bathroom and the water fountain was in the hallway. And just yeah. moving those visuals by the doorway made such a simple thing. And then he was able to independently ask to get water. And it, tur it turned a problem behavior into an opportunity for communication. Yeah, like that's that's like a perfect point, because sometimes I have like the teachers even just put Velcro like right by the door and then they can go either touch the picture or go bring it to the teacher. So, yeah, like right there reduces a the behavior already. And that's just like a <clears throat> one simple thing to do. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So thinking about like the structure setup of a classroom, since you're in a lot of classrooms, have you, how do you see like how physically the environment is set up helping kids? And then also on the reverse, there's like some missteps that teachers can make that can really, you know, reduce the opportunities for communication. So how does like the physical structure of the room play a role in that that you see? Well, one thing like that, that's a good point. Like one thing is using a lot of visuals because a lot of our kids have um, some limited receptive skills. 
So just thinking about the structure, you're going to give them a direction, right? Or an, or um, like go to teacher time, go to this. These kids might not know what the direction is, right? So they're having difficulty following instructions. So setting up the room where there's a lot of visuals, so it might pair with the instructions that you're going to provide. Also, um, you know, just in terms of communication, where are their communication books going to be set up? Where is the device going to be? One thing I was thinking about, too, is like if you have kids with AAC devices, a lot of times we think like, oh, we're going to go. We need to charge them overnight. So we put them away. We put them in the closet. And we forget to get them out the next morning. So one thing what that helps is maybe um, having that a step like in the morning. Like if you have your students come check their schedule, maybe right in the schedule is get communication book or get picture book. Or on the door, you hang a picture of their communication device. So when they walk in the room, that's the first thing we see. And then put it in an area that's easy to get to. Because if they have to climb behind your table or behind other students, that's not going to be, you know, really effective or it's going to cause some problems. So you don't want it to be um, interfering with, like, getting the device. Then we need to think of if we do want to charge it, like, where can we charge it? Maybe we have a separate area you know, that a table's there and the kids can go charge their device. Um, in terms of sometimes with um, communication books, like sometimes my in my preschool, for example, not each kid has their individual PEX books. And I create PEX books for specific areas in the classroom. So we do breakfast together. So I have a breakfast PEX book. So I make Love it that. really easier, like easy to access for the teacher. And I put all the foods that they're going to eat in there. Then we have like, um, she has like a teacher time area. So we have all the craft pictures, numbers, colors, and then that text book is easy to, for her to access too. So thinking about those things, what are you going to do in that area? What visuals do you need to support their communication? And then also where are you going to put those communication devices? And that's a great strategy for staff too, because if you're setting up, you know, the paraprofessional that's at the breakfast area or the teacher that's running an art center or play center, if you have a different textbook there with all of those visuals ready, you're not putting like that burden of running around finding the visual on them because it's all ready to go. Right, exactly. It just makes it a lot easier. And then um, they're e they're, when they're easy to access, they're going to be utilized more. Yeah. If you if it's right there, you're going to use it. You're not going to like be like, okay, hold on, honey. I've got the perfect visual. Let me go find it. Because yeah. especially preschoolers, they're going to be like long gone by the time you get back there. Exactly. Okay. Let's talk about the logistics for especially AC devices, but also textbooks, because that's where I always got stuck. And I think a lot of people get stuck when I had you know, kids that had AAC devices or several kids that had AAC devices, I would start the year being like, this is the year we're going to use, a you know, these devices all day, every day. And it was the logistics that always became the obstacle. Like the simple thing, like charging, like we all think like this shouldn't yeah. be a big deal. Let's charge it. But it is a big deal because if it's dead, you can't use it. So right. Talk, like, talk about some strategies that you've used for like things like the charging or where it stays during the day or where it goes during centers, how we can make sure kids are bringing it with them. Um, because that's, I think, what tri trips people up a lot. Yeah, and it's going to vary because um, it depends on our students and our parents. So I have some kids that I, we send the device home and the parents charge it overnight, which is awesome. But we know realistically that doesn't happen for everybody. You know, but I think if you um, try to put a system in place and then um, 
keep it consistent. That's also going to help. So like I know when um, we were working in the classroom, we had our kids put it in the iPad cart because they could charge it in our school. We had an iPad cart. They could charge it, put it in there, store it. um, And then we could get it out easily. Not every room has this. So I would think maybe it could be a paraprofessional's job to put, to plug in the devices at night. Like if they have one job, you know, sometimes they're taking apart a book. So depending, it could be you assign that job to somebody so that every day and they have like a checklist, just like, you know, they have to put back the binders of, you know, when kids do work, maybe one of their jobs is going to be plugging in AAC devices, but also a really good, um, another important strategy is for some of our kids trying to teach them to be more independent about it. I know it's hard at the beginning, but if you can teach your kid, maybe again, have a visual that they need to charge it. Cause obviously they might, if it dies and they're nonverbal, you know, what are they going to do? They might have behaviors. Maybe you can have a symbol by where the cord is that they could go get it and tell you they can plug it in. A lot of our kids, you know, they use iPhones all this, all the time. They could be responsible for it. Um, trying I to think love, of that's such a good suggestion, especially with older kids. Like I love the idea of this, of a picture in the schedule or, by their Yeah, the, the picture of the schedule I think is important. Like I think teaching them, cause I have two kids now and like, you know, they go in, they check in for whatever they're doing and it's get talker, mm-hmm. you know, you can it, use a it visual. It should be their job. Like you said, like 14 year olds have cell phones. Like this is something that's as important as a cell phone that they, the onus, especially for older guys should be on them to charge it and get it out and all that. Yeah. And at the beginning, like, like I said, I like to even have visuals on the door. You know, sometimes we do like greetings on the door, like, hi. So they know um, when they walk in the door, they say hi or whatever, put that talker picture or AAC device, like right on the door when you come in the classroom. So that should be the first thing they see to kind of trigger your remote, like to trigger you and the student, like, oh yeah, we need to get that talker. Cause I agree when you walk in the door and you have a hundred things on your plate, like we're not thinking about it. So if we actually put some visuals up of those devices in the classroom and maybe if you have teacher time, you know, you, they get their binder or whatever, maybe a, like maybe with that ADC device picture on their binder yeah. or you put it on your teacher time desk. So they know when they're there, these are the materials, just like you have them get a pencil, just like you have them get, you know, an eraser or um, whatever materials that should be on the list. And it's a reminder for you, like the teacher too, like that, like half the time I think the visual schedules are like reminding the staff, like, oh yeah, we have this next. So it's a good reminder for right. the staff too. Like why, you know, I put post-it notes all over the place for myself yeah. to remind myself. So I mean, it's the same thing. Like you need those little reminders, like put, print out like 15 pictures of that textbook or AAC device and post them around your room. So you're like, oh yeah, I need to use that. Let's talk about with kids that have a dedicated PECS book on kind of making sure, you know, we don't lose all those pictures or replacing them or, you know, having how you store your extra PECS pictures because the organization can get overwhelming really quickly. So what are your tips for that? Yeah. And this might be hard. I mean, this is like as a speech therapist and um, I work with another speech therapist and we use a lot of picture exchange. We have two um, bins and they are divided into sections and we actually store the pictures alphabetically. So a lot of times if we're making pictures, I'll just make multiple. So like we have the A section. So like apple, alligator, you know, all those will be in there. B, not everybody can do that. But like even if you use Ziploc bags and I think it's easier to store them alphabetically than category because we all think of ways to categorize them differently. And I've had so many student teachers and they'll like, and I like ask them like, Hey, can you put these 
pictures back in and they'll start like looking like, Oh, I was putting this with whatever. And I'm like, no, they're just alphabetical. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, that makes sense. So if you can do that or like even get a binder and you know, you have like little, um, where you have like uh, business cards or any of those type of things, you could do the same concept like ABC for extra pictures. Um, you know, sometimes when you, when I make a book, um, I suggest to the teacher, like, take a couple pictures of that book of how it's set up because like you're saying, they get lost and then you're trying to remember like, oh my gosh, what were their favorite preferred items that I had on that first page? That's or, a really good idea. And so you can I even just like, like tape that photo right on the back of the PEX book. So, yeah. you know, and then like have a staff member every Friday reference the photo and fill in the missing ones. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, especially their PEX book should have like those more common ones that they're using all the time. Plus like you can have like, I have like, colors or preferred foods or toys, but you're right. Like, and then I try to group them in their book that way. So it's like all the, you know, on the first page, whatever preferred items or, and then, um, different categories that way. But then I just take pictures and you're right. The eight at the end of the week can just like, let's check it. And, um, when you do print out pictures, that's what I was suggesting. Like I always print out more than one because when you go through the trouble to make those pictures, it is a hassle. So like, I usually like make a page of those you know, 1.5 inch square pictures. And I print out two or three copies, laminate them, then cut them out and put them in, like I said, my storage system of alphabetical, because then you can just go grab it next time. And you will lose them. Like, I don't know how many times I've gone to like pull change out of my change purse or something in my pocket. And there's like a bathroom picture or like some visual there that you brought home with you. You know, a kid puts it in their mouth. Like I have that. That's why I have the food book separate for when we do like cooking or, breakfast or lunch with my preschoolers because they get gross. So like you just want that. And then after a while, you may have to clean them up a little bit, throw a few out. And the photo suggestion for the PECS book is a great one too, for your kids that are in those first few phases of PECS that you can keep, you know, some of the pictures in the same page or the same area. So even Mm -hmm. though they're still discriminating, it's a smaller field size to discriminate between because it'll be in the same area that they know to look towards. Right. That's a great idea. So let's think about like the newer teachers, maybe not necessarily a first year teacher, but a teacher that's new to a self-contained room or new to working with children with autism. What are your suggestions for some good centers or activities that are maybe you could do on a regular basis in their classrooms that would really target communication, social skills goals, like a lot of goals that you as the SLP are writing that, you know, those centers would extend on that. What are some of your favorite center ideas? Yeah. And this is good because I could talk about this all the time. So, um, one, like I like to, I agree, like have centers and then, um, so I'll talk about some different ones. Like one, you could have a game area. So like, if you're going to play games, it doesn't have to be every day, but I love games. So maybe, you know, twice a week included in the centers is games because that is such a great way. They can always request my turn. So many games. You just think about like target a couple concepts. Don't like be overwhelmed. So like, if you're going to play, um, I'm just giving you an example, like, um, barnyard bingo. Okay. The focus is going to be like maybe some animals, or if you're going to play Candyland, you can work on some color concepts or any older games too. They can request my turn. They can request the color that they want. They can tell you the number so they can roll the dice and then find it on, give you the picture like six or on their AC device. Like I got six. Um, so games is a great center and like, Every week you could do a different game. 
Uh, and even another, every day. I'm even on board if you have time in your day. Like, there's, you're right. Like, games are, I love, love games. Games are so great. Especially, like, every time my kids, I have them do my turn. Because I'm always like, whose turn? So you can have a my turn picture on the textbook or on their AAC device. That's, like, a great one to, like, not always just be requesting nouns. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they can say, um, like, when you're like, what color do you want to start the game? You know, if they're going to have a pawn and then. Again, when they roll the dice, like I got six, or even just finding the number, it's something different. Yeah. Um, then and you know, when a teacher, a- when you're thinking about, sorry, to it, about scheduling your day, my advice is like, which is to- totally opinion based, is to do all your like heavy hitting academics, IP goals in the morning. And then the afternoon, like, let's face it, after lunch, everyone's like over it. And that's a great time for like a game center because. It's still going to be academic. It's still going to touch IP goals, but it's going to be in a more relaxed, fun way. So that's such a great time to do that. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, even playing memory, I mean, you're working on them, like remembering different cards, naming vocabulary things, saying if they're similar, if they're different, you know what I mean? Like, like even when you play memory, it could be like on their AAC device, they could find not same or different, you know, that's a great way to target. And then you can um, target some of the same concepts so they're practicing like finding same or different on their device multiple times. Yeah, love that. Um, another thing is I love crafts too. So like I always try to do crafts because you know what? You can request so much stuff with crafts. Like they need glue, they need scissors, they need a pencil, different colored paper. Maybe you're going to be um, ripping paper. So like they might have to request it multiple times. Like I want more red. I need more green a lot of times like we're making, I don't know, silly faces. They need googly eyes. They need a mouth. So there's so many different ways they can request things and you just hold them back. So like, you're not really trying to think of anything else. And those are such common, um, items on an AAC device, like requesting colors, different body parts. If you're making like, you know, let's say like an animal face, um, the number of of something, glue scissors, those are all easy to find. You don't have to reprogram anything in their AAC device. And you could um, do, like, the craft doesn't have to be complicated. I think sometimes no. we get intimidated by the Pinterest world. Like, you could do a coloring page every day. Like, you could do cut and glue or cut, you know, rip paper into a shape. Like, it could be super simple. Yeah, like, you know me. If you've, if anybody's read the post of the crafts I do, I always try to think of this more simple crafts because then you can focus on the language. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite one is, like, mixing shading cream, glue, and food coloring. All you do is mix those three things and put it on, but the kids love it. So you can put it on a heart. You can put it, you know, it's a different color every holiday. Um, I would say, like, keep it simple. It can be just cutting paper and gluing it on, you know, in a different shape. So the more they can request, and again, like you're saying, the easier the craft is going to be better because then they can focus on language skills instead of focusing on, like, trying to get all these little pieces in the right area. That's a great paraprofessional lead station, too. Yeah, Um, I also love cooking. So not like you can do it every day, but you know, we, I do it once a month in a lot of my classrooms with the teacher, but, um, I know the teacher that I work with when I do the cookie once a month, she on the other weeks does a a simple cooking thing. Again, don't make it crazy. It can just be like spreading something on it. You know, we made grilled cheese. She's done it where you even like just had a vegetable. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, you know, like carrots. And then we make a ranch dip. We just mix some sour cream in a ranch packet, you know, like think mm-hmm. of some easy things. It could be making one of those mac and cheese packets. So they just have to, again, request all the steps, 
put it in the microwave. This is a great way because kids are so motivated by food. I remember when I first started actually in your room <laughs> a long time ago, um, I had a couple students that was really hard to motivate these boys in they were seventh and eighth graders. And so a lot of times I would do some food activities and not like they're eating a ton, but just because they would actually use their devices to request, like, I want spoon, I want plate, I want fork, every piece. And with cooking, it's so fun because the reinforcement is directly tied into the activity. It's not like, oh, I'm working for iPads, so I have to do this worksheet or this book, then I get iPad. Like, no, if you want to get the reinforcement, which is eating the treat, you got you to gotta be part of this. You need the spoon to mix the, to mix the ingredients, and you need to request to get the next thing. So it's so functional, and it's so tied into the reinforcer, which makes it you know, just so amazing. Yeah, and it's just, again, like a little bit more natural, and that's and it's so functional for them, too. I like love doing cooking because I'm like, this is so important, like a life skill that they're going to need. And they're going to be wanting to request those things at home or out in the community. You know, they're going to be needing different like cooking items and food items. So that's like a perfect way. And then what we've been working on is describing things. So on devices, we don't we always think of just requesting, which is great, but they can tell tell how it tastes. It's hot. It's cold. It's, you know sweet, it's sour, they can talk about all those. So I also use it as a great way to describe, um, use their describing um, like words on their yeah. talkers. And I love that sample schedule that you gave of how to set this up. Cause I think that can be intimidating to a newer teacher. Like I'm supposed to do this by myself. Like this seems complicated is, you know, to do it, you know, your clinician and the teacher together. And I love that, that you do it once a month and then the teacher does simple things on the other weeks that she's on her own, like popcorn or something easy, but right. then you can do something more involved with the clinician. And if you're brand new to this and this seems overwhelming, then just start small. Do one, one a month is totally right. manageable. Um, and then I'll just do one more station. I, cause I know I've like <laughs> got it, but you know what? Another sometimes um, just keep it simple, but like sometimes I tell my teachers, like just have a station of doing like adapted books or just have a station of doing task cards. Cause sometimes your stations are only 15, 20 minute rotations. So it's like, you can do maybe one to two adapted books, depending on what it is. And those are really easy. You can have, like, if you're not running it, if a paraprofessional is running it, you can have them do it. And if you see on those books, they get to move pieces, which is great. And you can use their AAC device to, like, for instance, I make some iSpy books. If you're doing like an iSpy, a red fruit, they can find on their device, like apple. And then they can, you know, they put the picture of the apple in the book in the right spot. And then they can find it on their device, like anything to get them to use their device. And some of those, that might be a good way with the paraprofessional. Cause yeah, they're just naming some nouns. Those are a little bit easier to navigate, but it's still getting them to use their device. And then you can expand it like I see, you know, whatever they're talking about in the book. Yeah, that's a great. And it's such an easy center to set up. Like, that's a great suggestion. Yeah, you just have the book. And sorry, I'm going to just jump in one more thing. But like, I was thinking of those counting ones, too, like where it's like whatever, um, you know, we were just doing uh, St. Patrick's Day a while ago. So like leprechaun, leprechaun, what do you see? Like, I see three rainbows. So they're putting that in. I have them reinforce that on their device because that's great for the aid. They don't have to make up or create something like we do. They can just have their kids say, like, I see three rainbows. So they're kind of copying the sentence. But again, you're still working on it. It's just an, it's a way to get the um, 
somebody else to let the to help the students use the device you know, before doing like a hard activity. And all these centers that you've talked about, you know, an adapted book or cooking or, or, um, or gosh, what are the other centers? Yeah, no, yeah. Games, um, all these centers that we've been talking about, um, are just going to extend all of the work that they're doing in, in their speech sessions and then generalize. Cause like you said, it's with a new person, it's with the teacher, with the paraprofessional, with different peers and maybe different materials. So having those centers in your class, it's going to be, you know, you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck from the speech sessions because they'll come in and work with the clinicians and then get all this extra practice during the week. Yeah. Awesome. I love when the paraprofessionals work with the students because they're so great. And then they're like, I didn't know they could do this. Yeah. Or like, I didn't know they, they like got their talker to do this. And they always tell me when I come in and I'm like, that's so awesome. Like, yeah, like, I'm so glad they did that. That's the so, best. And that's what you want. You want to get like the team excited about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. These were such great suggestions. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Yeah, thanks. So many great suggestions there. I hope that you learned a lot. Let's loop back to what I said at the start of this episode. Communication is so important for our kids that we have to include and think about ways that our children will be communicating in every area of our classroom. And remember that point that I really drove home in the start. You need to make sure that every single student has a voice at all times and every part of the school. So that means carrying those ASD devices around. That means bringing textbooks with. That means making all the visuals because it is going to help not only our kids, but our team and our classroom so much if we ensure that our kids are having a successful way to communicate all the time. So this is the end of step seven, which means this is the end of the seven steps for setting up a stellar autism room. And like all things we talk about, these are not something that you can check, check, check and just be done with on day two. You know, I wish it was like that. But these are things that you're always going to be working on. It might not be something you accomplish week one, month one, or even year one. And it's going to be something that is always evolving. Let's go back to that episode three, I think it is, of the podcast, the growth mindset for special education teachers. All of these areas might not be something that you have fully mastered yet. Maybe you can't quite wrap your brain around the data thing, or maybe you're really struggling to get schedules down. You're not good at those things yet. You'll get there. It's a learning process for you as the teacher. We have to learn about our students and about the best ways to teach them and create a classroom that is a safe and open learning environment for them. So maybe now it's time to go back to step one and re-listen to some of them because you'll be able to learn different things at different times throughout the year. We get stuck in routines sometimes and we want to make sure that we're always thinking outside of the box and make making sure that we're really considering the needs of our students and not just the way we've always done things. So be constantly challenging yourself as an educator on making sure that everything is set up in the most optimal way possible. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people 
and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I wanna bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.